Hello and welcome to the Cumberland Podcast. My name is Chris Fleming. I'm the Adult Ministries Coordinator for the Ministry Council of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. And we're going to talk about Easter. It is here uh, today. Uh, But before we get into that, I wanted to let everybody know we're offering a free download of the Spring Quarter of Encounters. So that's uh, March, April, and May. So March, April, and May. You go to cpcmc.org forward slash store, S-T-O-R-E, and then you can find the encounter, go to the spring quarter, and then when you fill out the form, just click the bill me later, and then we'll process it free of charge. But if you have never used the encounter or want to see it, well, then this is your chance to do so. If you've uh, not been able to go to church and you left your Sunday school book there or whatnot, but you want to follow along or you want to have some extra uh, some extra Bible study or whatnot, again, we're giving it out free of charge. Uh, we just want to say thank you to our churches and for any Cumberland Presbyterian that just wants to do a little bit more study. Uh, that lesson is about the prophets, and its uh, total theme would be justice, and it's written by Reverend Jerry Scott from East Tennessee Presbytery. So anyway, avail yourself of that. You can go down there, go to cpcmc.org forward slash store, S-T-O-R-E, go to Encounter, the Spring Quarter, and then fill out the form and click Bill Me Later, and we'll take care of it. So again, avail yourself of that if you can. So for Easter this year, it's going to be Acts chapter 10, verses 34 through 43, John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18, or Matthew chapter 28, 1 through 10, and the psalm is 118, like last week, 118, 1 through 2, but 14 through 24. And the collect for today, Almighty God, who through your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, overcame death and opened to us the gate of everlasting life, grant that we who celebrate with joy the day of the Lord's resurrection may be raised from the death of sin by your life-giving Spirit. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forevermore. Amen. So one of the things that I learned when I became a Christian was the Paschal greeting. So every time I've ever preached on Easter, I've said, Christ is risen, and the congregation would respond, He is risen indeed. And I post that on all my Facebook, social media, whatever. Christ is risen, and I just wait to hear people uh, respond by... He is risen indeed. If you're of the liturgical bent, this is probably customary for you for Easter. Uh, It's something we received from the Catholic and the Orthodox, the Anglicans, and the Lutherans. Um, Again, it's called the Paschal Greeting, and it comes from Luke chapter 24 in the Emmaus Road incident. You can find it uh, starting at verse 30. It said, When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. And they were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. I love that greeting. It brings joy to my soul. And I encourage that if you've never used this as your Easter greeting, try it out this year, even if you have to find somebody and explain what they're supposed to say back to you. I'm telling you, it will bring joy to your soul. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Now for the general text, uh, themes for the text uh, for this week, the first one is kind of easy. Uh, It's the resurrection theme. Jesus has risen from the dead. He is Lord. And then you might, you know, you've done this all your life. You might be maybe accustomed to it. And so think about the person that's visiting your church that says, Oh, well, what about it, preacher? Tell me. Who cares if Christ is risen indeed? Well, then you tell them what it means that Christ is risen. 
That Christ has defeated sin and death, and he's broken the bondage of this dead life that we're chained to. Tell your congregation what it means that Christ has won the battle. They need to know. What difference does it make to you, preacher? What difference does it make to your congregation or to the world that the grave is empty? So that's the first theme, and one you should hit at pretty hard. Pray you knock it out of the ballpark. The second general theme is not only is Christ resurrected, but we too now have a newness of life, a resurrection in our mind and hearts and souls as well. We have been raised from the dead like, like Lazarus. The grave clothes are off and we can live. In the epistle passage, Peter's mind is transformed. Now Peter knows that salvation is for all people, not just the Jewish people. His mind has been given life and he can see as God sees. The psalmist declares in verse 17 that I shall not die, but I shall live. Paul says we've been raised with Christ, so seek things above. Set your mind on things above. In other words, your mind has been raised. In the gospel passage, we're told not to be afraid, but instead rejoice. And this is as much um, death to life as anything in our culture. We need no longer fear or have anxiety about everything, but Christ is risen, and in Christ's resurrection, we have the victory over sin and death and the world. And the third general theme is proclamation or testimony. We are to go and tell what we have seen and heard. This is part of the Easter message. Peter saw and heard a new thing. The psalmist testifies to his salvation. The women who were the first evangelists in the Christian church, they ran to the disciples having seen the empty tomb and saying, Christ is risen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Now to the individual text in Acts chapter 10. Um, I love this passage for various and sundry reasons, but for Easter, I think you can focus on the testimony of Peter and the fact that God does not look at the color of one's skin, the gender of a person, or the socioeconomic class. doesn't matter which nation you were born. In this passage, Peter does note one thing, though. God is looking for the humble person. In the Old Testament, there was an expectation that faith in God meant humility and a reverence to doing right by God's commandments. Sometimes this gets lost in the theology and preaching of the modern Western church, but humility and reverence for the commandments are what Peter was speaking of when he says that uh, God is no respecter of persons, but he seeks those who are humble and, and who do right. Uh, it's Easter, so be careful. Don't moralize things, man. Instead, preach. Preach like Peter. Talk about how Jesus Christ is, is God's anointed that Jesus Christ went around doing good and healing those oppressed by the devil. You might throw in a little from Luke chapter 4, where Jesus sits down and he opens up the scroll of Isaiah and says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, sent, pro sent me to proclaim release to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is a jubilee time. When Christ rose, it, it became a perpetual jubilee year. Preach that Christ was crucified, that God raised him from the dead, that Christ will come and judge the living and the dead. But don't miss that last verse, that anyone, that everyone, whoever believes in Jesus Christ receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And that brings us to Psalm 118. We covered this some last week, and you could still use some of that. Um, but use this passage this week the descriptions of Jesus to underscore what resurrection means, or at least our response to it. First, that God's mercy endures forever. Understand this plan of salvation started at the Garden of Eden, and it continues until the second coming, and God's mercy and grace will always be around. And celebrate that the Lord is our strength. Tell your congregation, what does it mean to have the Lord as your strength? 
you can use the vocabulary from verses 15 and 16 that says the right hand of the Lord does valiantly and the right hand of the Lord is exalted. Explain what it means that this valiant act and that the Lord is exalted. Then talk about the response of the psalmist, if you want to, to these truths. And our response to the Lord who has given us mercy. The psalmist says he's going to enter the gate of righteousness. He's going to offer thanks. He's going to rejoice and be glad in the marvelous thing that God has done through Jesus Christ. And so maybe this sermon is about our response, our simple response of praise and worship and adoration of the living Christ. And now to the epistle passage. I'm not sure if you would ever use this as a primary text, uh, but it does help illustrate what it means to live with a newness of life and a newness of purpose. I was doing some study on modern-day idolatry, and I came across a story about two young fish swimming around in a pond. They pass an old fish, and the old fish says, Morning, boys. How's the water? And the two young fish continue to swim, and then one of the young fish says to the other, What is water? So obviously the two, those two fish never stopped to think about what water was. It was just water. It's where they were raised. Their minds had been there. They never noticed that there was anything such as water. They never knew that they were swimming in a wrong pond, so to speak. And when we were dead in our minds and hearts, we didn't know that we were swimming in the wrong pond. But now we've been lifted up. And in the same way we, set, in the same way we used to set our mind on earthly things, we now set our mind on heavenly things. Essentially, we're learning to swim in a new pond. And now that we know about water, we know how it envelops all of us. We know the different choices that we can make that pleases our risen Jesus Christ. And then to the gospel passages, you can pick either one. The themes are kind of the same. I thought a lot about uh, the John passage. Um, I think one of the greatest dangers to our spiritual spirituality is that we never think something different can happen. We've lost a religious imagination. It's almost like we guard ourselves from imagining what God can do by tempering our expectations if it doesn't happen. So there's a story that I have read before. It's about two guys sitting in a bar. One's an atheist. One's a, one's a believer. And they, they do this every, every week. And the believer says, I can't believe you, you don't believe in the power of prayer and these things. And the atheist says, look, I've tried it before. There was one time I was in the middle of a storm and it was an ice storm and a snowstorm, and And I couldn't find my way. I'd got lost. And I cried out to God, God, if you're, if you're real, save me from this. Two or three minutes later, uh, some people were traveling along, saw him, and said, hey, follow us back to camp. And so the believer then at the end of the story says, well, how can you not be a believer? God rescued you. And the atheist says, no, he didn't. It was just two passengers coming by that happened to be at the right spot at the right time. And so I tell you this, and the story is meant to say, we simply choose how we interpret things. We choose whether what's happening in our minds or in, in front of our eyes is a God-given act, or, or is it just simply something that happens by happenstance. We do things like pray for healing for a person, and oftentimes we say, if it's your will, heal this person. And I get that. But sometimes, man, I just pray, Lord, heal this person. Make this person better. And if it's God's will, then God does it. If it's not God's will, then he doesn't. Maybe next time God will. But I've, I've stopped saying, if it be your will. He can say no. God can say no if, if God wants to. But 
I'm going to pray that God can do the absolute miraculous so I can see it and then I can exalt God's name and I can praise God's name because I know it's only God that can do these kinds of things. And it seems that the women uh, came to the tomb expecting things to be the exact same. They were bringing spices and the tomb was empty. And their reasoning in their mind was first someone took Jesus. We don't know where they put Jesus. You juxtapose that um, reaction with the disciple who outran Peter. And he went to the empty tomb and he saw the tomb empty and the text said he believed. So I've begun to wonder if maybe the command to not be afraid at the grave or at the empty tomb has more to do with the biblical characters and us as modern Christians to actually believe God does the miraculous, to actually believe the story. Might we be afraid that it's all just a hoax or a fairy tale? Because if Christ is risen, why do we act so scared all the time? Maybe we're hedging our bets? I don't know. But when we preach this passage, I do know some will see the story in all of its glory and majesty, and some are going to see a hoax. My encouragement is that we, be- we allow ourselves as believers to see the majesty and the glory and to run with abandon to others in the world and say, Christ is risen, and hopefully we hear that chant, Christ is risen indeed. And I always talk about uh, how preachers should share their testimony, and uh, I don't want to pass it on this great Easter day. Uh, I won't take very long. Easter is both a, a blessing and, and, I guess, a more moderate blessing to me. Uh, back in 2008, um, I should say this, in 1999, I went to church to appease my mother uh, because that's the one thing I could do for her that uh, that would be easy to to do as a son is to go to church on Easter. So I went, long story of events, we ended up at the Hendersonville Cumberland Presbyterian Church and uh, and there, Pastor Maury Norman uh, was preaching uh, Easter sunrise service, and he used the passage from Hebrews chapter 11. Now, faith, let me make sure I get it right. And I kind of, <sighs> when I start telling this story, I, I forget my Bible for some reason. Anyway, now faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of that which we do not see. And for whatever reason, when he finished that verse, my mind, heart, soul was converted, and I realized that everything that I had fought against was true. And so here was a 70-some-odd-year-old man being faithful as a minister of Jesus Christ, proclaiming Christ is risen. And for whatever reason, from that day forward... I felt a great call to serve God. That's my testimony. Also, in fast forward, uh, in 2008, um, again, through a long series of events, my brother had started going to church with me, and um, he had gotten in a car wreck uh, a couple weeks, maybe a month or so before Easter 2008. I had it just accepted the call to Margaret Hink Church in Easter would have been my last service at a Cumberland Presbyterian Church that's closed now in Centerville, Tennessee, and he had started going to church with me because he had nothing else to do. Anyway, that morning, on the way to pick him up, I got a phone call from him that said, um, I think I'm dying, and I told him to call 911. Anyway, by the time I got to his house to pick him up, the ambulance was there, and they were taking him to St. Thomas Hospital. Um, all The rest of the story, he passed away. 
But I do remember the sweetness of the, the months that I had with him, uh, going to church, rediscovering his faith. And, and uh, in death, the, the message of Easter is that we never die. Because Christ lives, we live. And those who have gone, um, those who have left us on this earth, are awaiting us to a great banquet table. So, um, God is faithful uh, in all things. So, now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.